Welcome to the Get Fit AF with Angie Fraser podcast, a fitness channel with a difference. We aim to challenge traditional views on fitness and what it means to be fit AF. We cover real questions from real people, including my clients and friends, chat with inspiring and passionate people, and maybe the odd rant along the way. Join us to get fit AF without the bullshit. I've got a bit of a longer episode for you today. I'll just give a bit of a quick overview. Today I speak with Coach Kara Schenk about what it's like to be in the fifth lockdown as a fitness professional in Melbourne primarily, but we covered so many other topics. Kara is a lifelong uh, professional coach having become a personal trainer when she left school. She's worked in so many gyms in the Melbourne area and in a variety of roles. She's worked across different formats, including um, general group fitness. She's been a CrossFit coach. She's worked in the UK as well. And she's just got a wealth of experience at only 27 years old. Um, I'm currently employing Kara as my online coach for some of my personal goals. Um, I just love her perspective, her unique views. Um, And I hope you enjoy the episode, whether you're a fitness professional or someone just interested in a fantastic story. Welcome, Kara Schenk, um, to the podcast. Uh, You and I uh, have only really met online and I've brought you on today to talk about what it's like to be in lockdown as a fitness professional in Melbourne among other things, um, because I've been following your posts and um, it really brings me back down to earth when I feel sorry for myself about the restrictions imposed on regional New South Wales and some of the impacts that that is having. And then I see something pop up from you and am reminded that you are in your fifth lockdown now. Yeah, fifth lockdown. (laughs) So what restrictions are on you guys at the moment? You can't go out? Yeah, so we've got, so ban is that we're not allowed to travel more than 5Ks away from our home unless it's for um, our local supermarket is further than 5Ks. And again, for somebody that shops at markets, my local fresh food market, that's a farmer's market, I'm not even supposed to really go and shop out. I should be going to my Local Coles or Woolworths, again, nothing wrong with that, but that's not how I personally choose to shop. But I have to shop at a supermarket because it's the closest thing to my house. Um, And we're only really allowed outside for two hours every day outside of the confines of our house. So, again, that includes walking, any outdoor exercise. If I leave my house to go and do my groceries, that's included in my two hours worth of time I'm allowed outside of the confines of my house so yeah good times good fun yeah yeah so yeah that's crazy to think of so I guess a little bit of background in how we met is that we are doing a uh, business mentoring course with Kate Martin at the moment so we've met via that group and um connected and um yeah, seem to share similar opinions on a few things such as uh, your video that I shared recently the other night. I really loved it around um, 
giving people excessive amounts of exercise in home-based programs for the uh, reason that, you know, a lot of people will determine that a workout is quality if it has absolutely smashed them, which as we know is not always the case. Um, so are you doing home programming at the moment? And um, can you tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on that post? Because I'm going to say I agree with it. I try to get this across to my clients and a lot of the times it kind of falls on deaf ears. <laughs> yeah, so I'm currently managing and uh, running a gym. A very good friend of mine has just had a baby two days ago and um, it was kind of in speaking that I would take over running his gym for him for the foreseeable future while he went on parental leave so I'm now back in the space where yeah last lockdown I was kind of finishing up running a different gym and now I'm running this gym the clientele we have at the gym that I'm running we're very luckily it's a movement-based gym where our students are quite up with um, you know meditation being part of their one hour worth of body moving that they do a day and the fact that you know it's quality reps, there's a lot of eccentric work, there's, you know, rest periods, there's still everything that we would partake putting in when we're in the strength and conditioning facility. Um, whereas my partner, who at the same time is running workouts for a different gym, um, their kind of take on it is, you know, the other day, their warm up was 100 air squats, right? Which even for me, I look at that and I go, yeah, in my crossfitting days when I was doing that much volume and my body was built in such a way which it ran like a well-oiled machine, that was fun and cool. But now I look at that and I just kind of cringe. I'm like, I couldn't think of anything worse than doing 100 air squats as just the warm up for then a whole one hour worth of legs workout that I'm going to finish. So um, that's crazy. That was yeah, that was me sitting in my bedroom kind of having a bit of a rant as to what I was hearing <laughs> in the next room at 6am in the morning when I'm dead tired trying to, to sleep to not cope with the rest of the day, but to get ready for a day that is still 12, 13, 14 hours in length with the bits and pieces I luckily have going on. Um, and him just smashing out 100 air squats and grunting and groaning about how much it sucked because... It does. It's not something. Of course, that it I does. Personally, put as a workout anymore. Five years ago, that's a warm-up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think you said something really good on that. That you really plyometric squats are to train power, and you really only need like five reps of your max effort. You know, in sets, um, not a hundred continuous. At, there is a point at which the effect or the training effect the benefit that you're going to get from that diminishes 100 percent. and and for me like i recently i've had an ongoing foot knee ankle injury on one side that i finally you know been able to be in one country and finally be able to get some support because that's the other thing in melbourne at the moment if you haven't had a physio plan for a particular injury prior to covid you're not really supposed to book in to go and see a physio, an osteo or a practitioner. So I've been wanting to get this thing looked at for ages. A while ago, I dislocated a, uh, one of the talon, talon bones in my foot. So uh, one of the joints that yeah connects to the talons in your feet. So basically what it meant was my foot was very, very unstable. So every time I took a step, my hip, my knee and ankle were kind of rolling in the opposite direction to what they could go. 
Um, and for somebody that likes to be active all the time, it was like, I can't even go for a long walk and feel, you know, great about it because it's just annoying me. But I also can't get help because apparently just walking is appropriate exercise when you're in pain. So um, I was a bit getting a bit get off. Finally had it looked out. And the guy was like, everything, you know, the physio was great. He's like, here's some stuff we can get you to do in the meantime. You're doing all the things correctly. I don't, I personally don't really wear shoes either. So all the things that he thought that could be attributing to it, he's like, it's just because you're very laxy and you've got to, you know, strengthen just your foot. And that's literally all my homework is at the moment. I shouldn't even really squat on it unless I want, you know, tape up my ankle, tape up my foot. And that's just a whole thing. Um, and it just depends on the day. But again, I'm one of those people who I see personally as a personal trainer. And I go, if I ask you to do your 10,000 steps a day in this home workout, that's probably putting you at more risk of feeling shit about yourself than just telling you to meditate, eat well, and just recover. So that's where I get really, and your post sparked a thing up me in the other day going like, just getting people to walk is not getting them to do exercise. Like walking oh. something we should be prepping for anyway for one and two just doing because you have the right and you have the accessibility to that so yeah that kind yeah of I think um, for me. where I was yeah where I was coming from there was um like too many people in my community anyway so I'm in a regional community as I mentioned really high rates of chronic disease and being overweight obese stuff like that so Yes, you are going to start if you're a person who's been doing no activity whatsoever. Walking is a fantastic start. But as a general rule for the fitness outcomes that people want, it's not a workout. And it annoys me that the government's like, oh, just go for a walk. You'll be right sort of thing. You should have been doing that anyway. We all should have been like we should walk as many places as we can. I live in a town where I'm like a 12 minute walk, I think from my house to my work. So I'm not going to drive it if the weather's great, you know? Yes, I do have to plan to leave the house a little bit earlier, but I enjoy it. Yeah. Everyone should be doing it, but it's not a workout. Agreed. And, and I think the other thing too, and I was trying to express this the other day, like walking is great. I do it more so for my mental health because I spend now because of COVID I'm spending 12, 13 hours in front of a screen all day because I'm teaching online, I'm training people online, I'm doing a course at the same time. So everything's online, right? And it's like walking's my one break where I'm like, okay, I'll get up whenever I have a coffee, I walk it around the block and I get out and I get some fresh air. But I thought to myself, like walking doesn't give me that feeling of achievement. It's just like a box that I need to tick off for myself. So those people that are wired to go to the gym already and to do a workout, Walking doesn't fill that little void of like, oh, I've achieved something well today. It's like making sure I eat my vegetables. Like I shouldn't need yes. claps for that. It's like something I should already do. The clap would be like making sure that I, you know, prepared a meal and even balanced or went and did a workout at the gym. Taking off little things that we're all taught in school in Australia to do shouldn't be like, oh, you've done the, you know, you've done the right thing. Mm. Once you have that knowledge base too, I'm not saying like, people that are overweight, obese, who are taking the chance to get out and get their steps. My mom's in that category. She's been given basically the hugest health warning of her life and basically told, if you don't do something, you'll die tomorrow. Um, and so for her, I'm like, awesome, you're getting out and walking. 
Yeah. In six, eight, nine, ten, twelve weeks' time, once COVID's over, maybe that's when we start to think about you getting to do something else. But in the case where she's at, yeah, walking's great. So yeah. So there seems. Yeah, there's there's like I find with people, and I think it's just a human tendency. There's like two ends of the spectrum, right? There's like extremely not health conscious, inactive, um, unhealthy. And then there is like you mentioned. So when you described yourself as a well-oiled machine, what did that look like? What level of training were you doing? How were you psychologically? (laughs) Mm. So I was training in context, probably four to five hours every day. It was part of what I was, yeah paid to do as well so I was a full-time coach I wasn't a business owner at that stage I wasn't doing any of the business side of things but I was a CrossFit coach at quite a well-known box and so there was this whole thing to do with I was paid and given more classes based on my likability the fact that I could do advanced training methods and be able to show that off um, and that bought our facility and money so there was a need for me I also was a competitive powerlifter prior to that and paid money to do that as a job. So it's different. It's, you know, I slept 10 hours every night. I ate, I was only coaching like 15 hours a week to earn my whole wage that I needed to survive off because I had, you know, I was paid big dollars for it. There was a whole thing. Um, and that was amazing. But again, my mental state was the fact, you know, in a really odd way that, as long as I had the gym and I had everything down to my food and my sleep, like well oiled, I didn't give a shit about anybody else. Like I didn't care that my students were achieving things. I didn't care that I was, you know, diminishing my returns in terms of relationships with all these different people. I wasn't in a relationship for that whole seven years that I was competing because it was just too much hard work to be perfectly honest. So it was me and my ISO bubble very similar to what it feels like now only I'm not in that headspace where I want to be training four five hours a day um so yeah it's that very odd end of the spectrum where people think it's awesome but I was talking to my students yesterday I'm like I honestly don't have the brain space or capacity to even want to be that anymore like it was great for the period of time in my life where it paid me money to do that but now I'm like I couldn't think anything worse than having to use my body to be paid I'm not oh yeah that's interesting so what you're describing is like you know professional athlete level and uh you find that people consume these ideals of fitness like the general population and these are people that still have to go to work they've got kids they've got other relationships to maintain so they are consuming these you know this imagery of that level of fitness which is a professional athlete essentially and wanting to aspire for that And I find I spend a lot of the time trying to like adapt programming to get the best outcome for people that can train three times a week for maybe half an hour or 45 minutes, not five hours a day. (laughs) Oh, and, and the funny thing is too, like even coming from that coaching background, I used to always think in my head, ideally, that's, you know, I'd want people to train for at least 90 minutes a day, be able to get their steps in, eat perfectly well, do all these things. And something like, you know, this lockdown situation, although I hate it and I can't wait to be back in the gym, you know, 
moving people, touching people, getting people to do things the way that I would like to do them. I love it because it's made me really humble. Like I realize there's so much more stuff that I can fill my days with when I am at home, but also that I can't expect with everything that's going on and going back to a role where I am doing more of the corporate business side for people to want to train that many hours a day. Like I loved it while I didn't have to focus on, you know, key performance indicators and sales targets and, you know, making sure that this little baby that's not even really mine is functioning and that, you know, I'm marking papers on time so people can get their qualifications. Prior to that, well, yeah, cool, get me in the gym so many hours a day. But now I'm like 45 minutes of time to myself, cool, happy to yes. box. Yeah, I'm ready to move on with the next thing and get on with, you know, making sure everybody else is well looked after. That's what I find. I spend as a business owner, small gym owner in our town, I spend the bulk of my time getting everyone else organized for their training, getting them here, helping them while they're here, talking to them, explaining things. And then I'm, yeah, I'm lucky if I've got 45 minutes. And I hired you as my coach recently um, because I really like your attitude and um we've just started together and I love the first block of programming. But like I said to you, I just need to reorganize this. I love the exercises, but for my brain and like what I'm able to do at the moment, because I actually just picked up some part-time work too. So my schedule changes again. I think for me, it's a big priority to be in touch with that and experience that because this is what my clients experienced. Okay. So like work gets in the way your family and you, your whole ability to train is like um, the time that you have to train or whatever is constantly shifting. And it's important if you, if you're in that mindset, that fixed mindset of I must train for 90 minutes a day. Um, I find people go either to there or not at all rather than finding that happy medium. So I love going through this whole process myself and going, okay, you know, I've got to, rethink how I'm doing things and really whittle it down to the most effective stuff so I can still run the business, do my part-time job, um, deal with my family, stay well in other areas of my life. And this is what our clients are dealing with. 100%. And, um, you know, I'm, I have a few clients that I train for competitive powerlifting who do juggle like quite a few, quite a few things all at once I absolutely idolize them to be able to you know and I've cut and cut and leaned down their sessions as much as I possibly can but what they're trying to compete in as a sport I'm like I'm sorry but it needs an hour and it needs a minimum of five hours a week and I can't cut that down anymore for you without saying that I'm not going to be able to get you the result and that's just me being perfectly honest Um, yeah at the same time yeah teaching people totally that if your thing is just general long-term health and fitness where you're going to need to train for the rest of your life to have what you have like that's the yes. thing recent space that I just worked in it was all about challenges and all about transformations and all about that thing those sorts of things and I was the bad news coach who's like you're gonna fucking <laughs> need to exercise for the rest of your life like get over it that it's hard if it's hard for you to do it every day cool I understand but maintain that that three sessions a week if you can't come to the gym, make time to go for a half an hour walk. Make time to, I haven't been loving your stuff of like, this is my lunch that I'm taking with me today. It's not the most pretty or the most, you know, outstanding thing. But again, sometimes for me, it's like, 
okay, banana has its own wrapper, an avocado has its own wrapper, I have some rice cakes, <laughs> a can of tuna, and something sweet because I still have that mentality of needing dessert with every meal. And I walk out the door. And if I'm hungry That's at right. the end of the day, more hungry because I'm nutrient deficient from no vegetables. So my dinner has like <laughs> nine vegetables on it and maybe, you know, some protein. And you kind of just deal with what you have. That's um, right. I, I think it's really hard just to get people to have that thinking because it took me so long. I thought, oh, everything has to be perfect. Otherwise, why would you bother getting somebody to start somewhere when they can't have all their ducks in a row? Um, and then I worked in a corporate for all for 12 months last year and it completely changed my head of, you know, when you're working 16, 17 hours a day at the desk, the last thing you want to do is one exercise because your brain is fried. And two, you're like, I just want to eat anything in a glass of wine and go to bed. That's all I want yes, to do. And then I want to work absolutely. the next day and do the same thing. Yeah, it's crazy. And I, yeah, I look at people and how work impacts their lives. And I'm like, okay, how can I get the bare minimum to them? Like I did a video yesterday for a client who was like literally in tears because she cannot get to classes at the moment. She legitimately can't and it's stressing her out. And I was like, right, this is what we're going to do. You're basically a newbie. Did you know that you don't actually need a lot of work each week to make progress? All I want you to do is these four exercises at home. Do them for me. Let me know that you've done them. And then when you can get back into class, let's start with one. One. Like take that pressure away. People put too much pressure on themselves. And I love that term bad news coach because I feel like that's what I am as well. I'm like people come in, oh, I, I need to lose heaps of weight. So I'll come here and train twice the week. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's here's why that's not going to happen. But, you know, what we can do is, and a lot of times people go see you later and I'm like, okay, that's fine because I'm actually not going to lie to you just to get you to sign up. Yeah, absolutely. Cause they end up like nine times out of 10, they end up coming back as a boomerang. Some like at some point it may not be right away, but they go, oh shit yeah Angie was right or Kara was right and what I did need is just to be consistent with my training and if I'm after a particular goal well that's something that I have to also dedicate time and invest time and maybe sacrifice a few a few things for um yes Melbourne we don't really have much not much to sacrifice because we don't really have much so when people are like no. oh I don't really like training I'm like mate this is probably going to be locked down five out of 37 like you got to get over that you got to get over yes. the fact that you're going to have the perfect time because based on the way our political situation is in melbourne i don't think this will be the last one regardless of you know every 10 out of 11 shops on the high street of melbourne city is shut down like that's where ghost town right now it's ridiculous but that's it's not going to change because our rollout, you know, whatever political stance people have about the vaccine, it's waiting for that to be rolled out in the way that it needs to so that they can go, yeah, you're safe to go. So heartbreaking it is as it is, I think people need to rally behind the idea that, yeah, some of this gym and exercise stuff has to be normalised in your home. Like I have rings hanging from my ceiling, a chin-up bar in every doorway. I've got a kettle, two kettle girls in every single room just as a reminder or as a doorstop. And it's like, <laughs> yesterday I did single leg RDLs and Bulgarian split squats while making oven fries because I was like, well, I want to eat these chips, but I've got half an hour. So what can I get done in that time? I can swing, I can squat, I can press. Okay, 
half an hour worth of whatever. And then by the time I've done that, my food's going to be done or I can sit and scroll for half an hour and then feel really shit. Yes. I wasted my time. Like those are my two options. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting times. <laughs> I've got one of my old air bikes at home in my lounge room at the moment. And I was in the same situation the other morning. I was like, I've got 20 minutes until I teach an online session. I can sit here and scroll and dick around basically, or I can get on that bike. And yeah, you feel amazing when you do it. It's just actually getting started most of the time. It's the thought, mm -hmm. it's the thought of coming into the gym or clearing a space at home and starting to squat or do a hundred air freaking air squats or something like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So when, um, when I sort of got to know you via Kate's group, you were managing um, a gym. Is it quite well known down there? I did Google a few things. Um, and because uh, I think Kate told me to um, and how you're I heard you speak a fair bit about your passion for quality training and how you'd like to support other other coaches to think about quality and that that stems from your post about the, the 100 plyometric squats as well so teaching coaches to do better be better and you've ended up in the RTO field is that right yeah, so I'm working for an RTO at the moment, um, church teaching Step 3 and 4 courses. It was, it was once I got out of my fitness course, I got straight into doing an intern with Tanya and Andrew Carroll down in Melbourne, who are good friends of Kate's. And they taught me a lot of what I knew about fitness. And I was very lucky because when I came into the fitness industry, I was one, a 54 kilo female who thought that 900 calories was enough to survive on. And I literally did probably 17 hours of group fitness a week, not even joking. So that was my idea of fitness. Everybody needed to be, you know, super lean, super thin, because I'd been around the group fitness environment that was at that stage 11 years ago was that. So went with them, did two years of interning under them, learned a lot about strength and conditioning and the way to train people smartly. And, and that kind of just transpired into me moving through I think I've worked in nine gyms now and not because when people see that on my resume at 27, they're like, you've worked in a lot of gyms. Like what's gone wrong? I'm like, you can have all my references under the sun to say that I've done, you know, a good job. I've been controversial. I ask questions. I want this, you know, this way out of people. It's more like if I don't see and fit an ethos that I like or enjoy training people in and that's the environment that I love being around because that creates who I am as a coach. I just kind of go, mm, it's not really worth my time now. I'm going to move. And Melbourne, mm. we're packed with gyms. So we're very lucky that within, you know, 500 meters down the road, I can move and have, you know, just as much access to as many people. Melbourne's full of gyms. So yeah, I was managing a space. And the one thing that I saw, one because of COVID and what it's done to the fitness industry and the fact that so much of the work now is casual. A lot of the coaches from the time that I started coaching with have left the industry now because it's just too unstable. And so there's a lot of new blood, which isn't always a bad thing, but I think based on the environment we've been in, the environment they're being taught in, it's like, why do I give this value? Like, this is just a job to 
come in, get paid, be really flexible so I can continue doing my degree or work another job around it. And the heart is kind of really pulled from it. And I just hated the toxic negativity of working for working for anywhere like that. So yeah, I got a call up from an RTO and they said, do you want to come and do some teaching for us? We've heard great things about you through the grapevine um, and pretty much just got offered the job on the spot, which was cool. So it's a different different thing completely, but it's nice to try and start to instill some of those thoughts and um, thoughts and passion into people and not go, yeah, fitness is how you know it this way, but how about we train people smart and get more out of not just their body, but the way they start to think about fitness because these are mums, dads of children that are going to grow up thinking that fitness has to be this way. And then they bash their bodies and then it becomes this whole rolling cycle of like the dominant mm-hmm. effect of you being the pivoting point for choosing the direction that people go down because you're their mentor, you're their parent, you're their, what they look for for support. So yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying it. It has its own challenges, but um it's super enjoyable and just allows me to coach the way that I want to really coach authentically and get those guys to ask questions and not have to put on this face that I have to be, you know, this type of coach either because I've worked in so many gyms. I've been a CrossFit coach. I can give you a hard CrossFit workout if you want to be like bashed up against a brick wall. I can do that. But that's not, you know, the way that I think about fitness so much now. Yeah, absolutely. My, um, you know, I started out in group fitness as well uh, seven years ago. And, you know, you do, you evolve as you go along. And I think it's a really um, interesting point that you make about, so your views develop as you go and you learn maybe potentially better ways or you start to see things differently. Now in my community, because it's pretty old school around here mentality of what constitutes fitness. So you're, you're either doing fitness inverted commas and you're doing it flat out, you're bashing yourself up against a brick wall or you're not. And, you know, to come along, I've developed those um, ideas around strength and conditioning. Like you say myself, I'm still finding my way along that, how to implement that into people's lives for the best long-term effect. And some of my clients really haven't got that along the way. And some of that comes down to my ability to communicate what the ideas and maybe even like, um, maybe even summarize it a bit better instead of speaking in my language. But it's funny because pe- people just tend to revert to that whole mentality around that that old school beating themselves up. You give them like, uh, you, if you can develop someone's squat enough, they're definitely going to get to the point where doing a set of four or six decent squats is going to give them a similar effect, but without potentially the stress on the joints, you know, jumping up and down in between, not taking any rest. But when you try, it's a process of learning how to squat properly, how to deadlift properly, how to do all of these basic movement patterns, which by the way, they're all featured in group fitness because they are movement patterns. You're just not taught them properly a lot of the time. And when you you need to sit back and go, okay, this is how I do it. Oh, what do you mean I rest for 30 seconds a minute? That's not fitness. It's, yeah, it's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I... I went, I was over in the UK, so I lived over in the UK just before COVID hit. And I went from like learning this teaching style of much more 
you know, balance within people's training, giving them to do, getting them to do strength work, a lot more what we would call a athletic base system. So stuff that's not choreographed that you're doing along with people, but you're actually coaching as well. And yeah. I went backwards and got put on a body pump course to teach Les Mills for a quite a big no. time. Sorry. Because <laughs> that was, yeah, but that's just what they needed. They're like, we need Soul a strong crushing. female. Yeah. I was covered in tattoos. They're like, you're cool. You have these muscles. You might inspire a few more people. Your classes. But you didn't get forward. your we muscles from doing, I'm, I'm sorry, can I just interject? <laughs> you did not get your muscles from doing Les Mills body pump. This is what no, annoys me about so, the industry. <laughs> so like, yeah, I was like, okay. And I was paid commission based on how many heads rocked up to my class, right? So right. this was probably the first pivot point where I learned to be a businesswoman. It wasn't running my own business, which I had done prior to leaving for the UK and done really well at just having referrals sent through to my door I kept a very good like 40 a week uh, 40 PT sessions a week rented a space at a gym was earning like more money than I probably ever had was doing really you know good things um and then I moved to the UK where I didn't know a single person apart from my partner who I was with at the time and one person that lived in a separate city to what I did and I've been offered a job at the gym and he's like basically your base rate is going to be $11 Australian an hour and yeah. then you earn your money based on how many people rock up to your class in heads right so I was like fuck first first week of classes up uh, first week six weeks I had one person rock up which meant I got paid $11 for that class, no right? Rent's the same as Melbourne, food's the same cost as Melbourne. And I was literally just churning through savings, trying to like make sure that I could stay afloat. And one day I was like, right, I'm going to run a CrossFit session. I'm just going to do it. You guys have to deal with it. It's going to be a CrossFit session. It's going to be the thing that's going to earn me money and you have to put it on the timetable. So they did. And I got five pounds per person over three that rocked up with my class. The first CrossFit session I ran, because nobody had really heard of it there, I had 48 people book into my class, right? So it was this huge, like, oh, my goodness, what should you done? And that was the one pivot point that, again, me taking a fitness style that nobody there really knew about yet and handing it to them was the thing that made me dollars. And it was like, okay, let's be smart about it. Let's just use, use it as a way to earn the money that you need to earn. And then you can think about coaching in different ways elsewhere where it's not about literally putting food on your table so it became that great point of learning to be a couple of different egos within my fitness belt of cool I can be this teacher that does this for the groups that can handle it but there's also a space for me to be this lighter brighter less kind of drill sergeant way as well um yeah yeah I often say to my um, PT clients, if you come to a group session, I won't be the same as what I am in PT. So just be aware. I will appear cranky. That's how some people interpret it. I'm not cranky. I'm just trying to get people, get people doing things quickly and safely. And like you over there, we've got 30 minutes to work with. Let's just, you need to do what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like... Plus... Yeah, group yeah oh, i've lost my train of thought now 
I was just going to say it's interesting. Ah, the uh, really interesting quote I've heard is sell them what they want, give them what they need. You need to remember. Yeah. <laughs> I need to remember that. And sometimes it is that, sometimes it is that total, that flip of the moment. And even within like running this, this space for my friend that I'm running, me being a slightly different coach to him, I've had to learn to adapt in a way to the people that I'm coming across and learn to, you know, be the coach that they need in the moment. And that's not always what I would like to coach like, but what they need mm -hmm. to feel like they get what they need out of the workout as well. So a lot of people come to group fitness to be like absolutely drill hammered and spoken yeah. to like, you know, a child that's done the wrong thing and that's just how it is. But um, I think if we can, you know, if we rounded this off as a, as a conversation, it would be if we can teach more of the general public that moving your body and incorporating fitness into your life is normal and then actually having a group fitness space where you're inquired as to how you want to move your body, the correct way to move your body and taught, not just drill sergeant coach, you'd probably feel like more like training if you had more information about why you were doing the thing, not just being told, this is what I need you to do. I find that's why a lot more people stay with PT because they're being encouraged to learn about themselves rather than, and that's what a gym does, rather than just thinking exercise is exercise, it's like, I know about my anatomy now. I know about the way that my body works. How exciting is that? Rather than just being told like, oh, this is what you have to do to get X result. Yeah, but that doesn't yeah. really feel that great in my shoulder. Yeah, but you need to do more pulling work and you'll be fine. But, um, you know, as you were saying, when you're not told the why of fitness, it kind of gets a bit like, well, I could just do this myself. Like, that's how I feel. If I'm in a group yeah. class and the coach isn't telling me this, this or this, I'm like, why am I here? You've just wasted 45 minutes of my time that I could have gone and learned about something that, you know, I find more interesting. Yeah. I think though for you and I, we're a particular personality type. That's why we're <laughs> working with Kate. That's why we run businesses or we, you know, we go out there and do the things that we want to do, even though it's hard. We are wired to learn. And I sometimes forget that, you know, I, I come out and I'm like, oh, I want to teach my clients how to do long-term sustainable training skills that they can take away with them, even if they're no longer working with me or they have to move towns or whatever. They know what they need to do. Um, some people don't want to learn is something that I've found out the hard way. Some people are not as passionate as I about learning different <laughs> skills. And when you try to give them that, they close off so yeah yeah it's it's about finding your markets getting to know your clients um I'm mentoring um someone at the moment and he's done really well for himself using like a bodybuilding format and he loves that kind of training and I've just had him in here um having access to some of my clients for his assessments research re so far and um I think just him trying to wrap his head around these clients don't actually care at what angle different shoulder muscles get hit for a lat raise, you know, like they actually don't care. And he's like, hmm. <laughs> so there's, there's so many facets to fitness. Like, you know, you, what I love about it is you can be really creative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's probably the thing that is probably hitting the hardest most in terms of, 
being a PT for like the fifth time during lockdown, there's only only so many ways you can be creative with fitness. Yeah. When we're getting locked down too at the drop of a hat where it's like you can't even lend out equipment to your clients. Like we even haven't had time where we can go, hey, everybody, we're going to be at the gym at this time. Do you want to lend some equipment so that we can do yeah. some different stuff this time around? It's literally like you're locking down in four hours. Sorry, that's what the cards you have to deal with. And although that's, you know, fine, you as a coach kind of feel like oh, we just got back into the rhythm of doing this creative, like progressive programming for this in upper body class with all this really cool you know weighted stuff because we've just done a whole eight weeks of just body weight upper body strength and now I've got to like pivot but we've already done that for eight weeks so like what do I do that's different when some of the stuff we like to do within you know the space that I run is a lot of gymnastic stuff where people get spotted by one another and are upside down and uh, it yeah. feel safe to do that at home so it's like you then have to take them back to like stuff that's you know and basics are great I love basics but they've spent so long working on those basics to be able to do this skill with a partner yeah and now they haven't got that aspect of a partner to spot them in a handstand push-up so they're like well I can't handstand push-up when I'm at home I'm like okay so what do we you know how do we pivot that when yeah again we don't really use that much equipment anyway it's really people coming for the coaching so uh, yeah and it's in person it's not the coaching yeah, and also probably like you know the other people there so the social aspect and when you talk about doing those kind of you know more advanced things at home you don't want to end up as a gym fail like video like <laughs> so many people all legs through the wall like my yes. walls at home have so few studs that if I go to kick up to a handstand I have to make sure that I nail the collection of that handstand otherwise mm -hmm. I'm going through gym like that's my my issue so yeah maybe you can coach me for a handstand next because I've got a good solid brick wall here in my gym and I do handstands against the wall with my 10 year old and he loves it but then he'll be like hey mum look I can do a handstand push-up or I can walk on my hands and that can you and I think well maybe one day I will you never know I might get you to do that in my next block of training <laughs> yeah awesome done <laughs> yes and so um I did also want to talk about something you've posted on um your and I wonder now after learning a bit more about your story if it contributes to you know your past sort of training preferences or how you've gone about things your um adult diagnosis of autism can you tell us a bit more about that yeah, so I, um, I've got a younger brother who's severely autistic, so, you know, quite high in terms of the knowledge ability spectrum, but very um, delayed in terms of the speech element of things. So he had a lot of speech therapy as a kid. He has a lot of sensory overload as well, um, issues where he doesn't like certain feelings of certain things. So anything with hard, sharp edges loves it anything that's soft, mobile, squishy, even hugs, didn't like hugs for a really long time because it's that kind of non-edged feeling. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was first part of, when I turned 18, I was first part of La Trobe University, did a little bit of a research project on kids that have a sibling who was born younger than them with autism because they have been doing some research and basically most kids that are born with autism there's a one in three chance that one of their siblings is also born with autism so 
as a kid, really brief, brief background, I was quite a quiet kid, quite liked my own time, liked speaking to adults, found most other kids boring. Um, and it was like over a time where we were learning more and more about my brother's brother's diagnosis that I kind of went, maybe there's something like different going on there. Um, and so at the time they yeah nailed it down to that I had particular traits. So I get sensory overload quite easily. Um, so, and it's such a interesting thing with coaching because if I'm around people, I need to take like longer breaks to kind of, I guess, recover from that. I can't do sessions back to back to back to back to back. So like three in a row and then I'm like, I have to have an, at least an hour to myself in a really quiet space where I'm doing something different. Um, yeah, I can relate thing, to that. <laughs> Yeah, eye contact was a massive, massive oh. thing for me. So when I first worked in the first ever gym that I did, I had this one client and he's like, your eye contact abilities are terrible. He's like, you're so smart and you know all this stuff, but he's like, you won't even look at me. And I was like, what are you talking? And then I noticed, I was like, I look down at the floor, I look up at the sky, I'm like, oh my God. And then um, when I was over in the UK, I went, okay, let's go and get this like re-looked into again. And the woman there was like, okay, they basically did a whole lot of cognitive function tests on me. Like, yeah, just basic family history things. And she was like, yeah, you know, I don't know if this comes as a shock to you. And I was kind of already ready for it. She went like, you're on the spectrum, right? And I went, yeah, cool. That's, you know, totally expected. It's kind of nice to have a label for it so that when I feel like I'm being a bit bratty and a bit annoying, um, on particular things, it just comes down to my brain's wired a little bit differently. Uh, I don't really think about it too much because it's all stuff that I've kind of learned to live with over time. Um, and if anything, kind of having that diagnosis made me way more confident about things because even down to the usual things that a personal trainer has, like I'd stand at the front of the classroom teaching a group fitness class and all I could think was like, don't make eye contact. All these people hate you. Like all these people, hate oh. you. this is a really weird space to be in. Oh my God. What are they looking at? Too much, too many things going on. What, like, why is there this weird background noise? Could hear my microphone humming. I'm like, can they hear my microphone humming? Like that must be so annoying. And then you'd have all these people walk out of the class smiling at you going, Oh, that was amazing. And I'm there going, did you not hear that there was like this going wrong? I cued this wrong. I did like, I could pick every little thing apart about it. So um, it's, yeah, it was interesting because it pulled up a lot of things for me that I was like, okay, you're aware of this. And this is also a really awesome superpower to have that you can also hand off and pass on to other coaches. Like all the little things that maybe are just hums in the room that you might not see like somebody's facial expression if I see somebody doing a certain facial expression during an exercise I'm like you're in pain and you're finding that really uncomfortable not because it's an uncomfortable exercise but because something in your body's not responding to the cueing that I'm doing or the exercise itself I go straight up to that person I'm like so what's in pain right now they're like how do you pick that up across like 35 people in one room and I'm it because mm. that person's face is showing me that they're in total discomfort and I need to fix that and that's priority number one so yeah it was 
it was not a shock for me because there were certain things about me versus my friends. Like I did my PT certificate right out of school, got into working straight away, which I was super lucky to do. Have been enrolled in uni like nine times, have sat through right until two days before the census date. And then was like, I physically can't sit in a classroom or sit still for more than like an hour without getting itchy skin. Um, and no matter how, how many times I try and that people were like, oh, you've got all the intelligence to be able to do this course. I'm like, that's fine. Intelligence is, you know, so many of us, everybody's intelligent in their own way. And it's easy for you to say that. I just can't physically sit down and do that for that duration without feeling like, you know, there yeah. are exciting things going on outside those walls. So, um, and, and yeah, it's come with, you know, it's not that I really needed to use it for any sort of advantage sake. I don't get any special support for anything of that matter, nor do I really want it because I have so many things my brain and my body are able to do. And, you know, I giggle with mum that she's like, out of all her kids that she has, she's like, you're the most weirdly ready to just like pivot, turn, do what you need to do to survival mode um but yeah I have moments where like this week because there's been so much time inside I've literally been like I don't even want to get out of my bed today and not because I'm upset or you know I wouldn't call it being depressed or anything but I think that overload of not being around people as well like I need that for a period of time and then I don't need it but energetically mm. I get a lot from that so just yeah I can identify with that yeah sensitive to certain things so this week um yeah I've literally gotten up had a shower gotten myself ready had all my laptops set up to teach and then just been like maybe I'll just teach from bed today because I really don't they only see this much of my head right so yeah I'm comfortable <laughs> here and I'm not really wanting to get it out into the world when there's uh all this energy around what's going on as well like I guess everybody yeah. has their own feelings in regards to what the government should be doing but every time I hear somebody that's got this crazy weird radical like idea of what they believe is going on compared to mine mm. I'm just like oh I yeah I think we can all identify with that <laughs> yeah I think you know, everyone's so. starting to feel that and I've noticed even around here you know people just like it's a bit more tense it's not you know when you go oh. out so I'm not going out as much I do wonder how that will impact businesses as you say you guys are really in the thick of it so what what are your thoughts around how the fitness uh, businesses are going to go in Melbourne going forward it's it's hard and there's you know quite a few of us that you know I'm the space that I'm managing they shut their doors from the original space that they're in because the rent was just way too much money and it's like okay we don't know how long we're not going to be able to open at full capacity so we just kept running stuff online in face but we had a we we're renting like a car park lot with a reef that we attached into the concrete so all our training had to be done outside but we could basically do everything we were doing and the car park space was like 50 bucks a week compared to two thousand dollars a week for mm. you know, just a roof and some walls 
Um, so we were really lucky we negated through that time and now we're at a space where because we weren't paying rent for that long we were able to get out of it because at that stage you know landlords had to do a deal with tenants either giving them a rent reduction or rent relief in order to like pay back their rent at a later stage but so many fitness businesses thinking that that eight month lockdown was all we were going to have put you know, a rent relief whereby they would pay half rent, but all the extra debt that they'd accumulated worth of rent, they're having to pay back now. And so they have one and a half times as much rent to pay because that's just what they've thought was the right thing to do at the time. And now, you know, so many of them, you only got support if your business earnings reduced by such an amount. So they were like, if clients wanted to leave council, it was like, well, if you do that, at least I get some government support. But now they're so under finance because they've got lack of clients because people are don't want to sign up for gym memberships when they're going to have to do stuff online or the suspension yeah. policies and cancellation policies. So they're just absolutely getting rear-ended to the point where you just go, as sad as it sounds, I feel for so many of them and a few of my friends who are business owners you know, said the other day, they're like, it would be so much easier for me just to close down right now. Like that would be the easier thing than to try to strive to stay open because I owe rent from last year. By the time I accumulate all the funds and say, all right, everybody six weeks and I try and sell the lease, I won't have to give up so much of my family's like savings or, you know, time that we're not able to go and do this because I'm just having to like pivot, 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 pivot. Um, And yeah, in terms of enrollments, we're having so many less enrollments in courses and fitness courses because people just are like, I don't want to be a personal trainer in Melbourne. Like all the other things are full to the brim with students. All of Melbourneians classes, like we've just got enough work to keep us coaching to the jobs, like just enough. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's maybe fine now with the real skin of the teeth, but if it has to happen again and you just feel that, the tenseness of every Melbourneian just like looking at each other wanting to stab them for things that we know they're not doing within the rules of the government but it's like you understand because you're also just like we're all over this like we yeah you know my neighbor yesterday had her dad come to help her pull down a banana tree and I'm like it's not giving care because you live with your husband like you guys need to wait if my gym has to be shut down another day I will actually come and murder is a very harsh word but I would be so angry at you and that you're just one person out of the lot of us that's doing something like that like we're all doing yeah we shouldn't do but yeah yeah because it, it's anyway. it's hard not to um I really feel for you guys and I hope that um you get some relief soon and things start to pick up um but thank you for sharing all about it because as I said it puts things in perspective for me um I I feel quite fortunate so far but we're not out of the thick of it and the you know the impacts are going to be felt for a long time yeah and and yeah everyone like I feel for everybody that's now going through it because you know everybody still had enough of a lockdown that it has a significant impact and you know gyms are with every state that goes into lockdown and funds have to be sent there it means there's less for everybody so although being in Melbourne 
of Melbourne at the moment doesn't feel that amazing. It's it's felt everywhere because we all have to kind of, I guess, pick up where each other has left off. So yeah, it's it's not uh, it's it's everywhere. Yeah, well, I'm kind of using the the little bump in the road to reassess things, uh, look at how I deliver my services, how can I improve that, um, how can I do the best thing for the people that are left now, remaining, and, you know, um, work on some things that I maybe haven't had an opportunity to in the past when we were sort of just doing things the old way. So this is, for me, is an opportunity for some changes that are going to be really positive and yeah I'm trying to look at it that way as much as I can we'll see how that pans out um so if people want to work with you online either getting mentoring as a coach to be a better coach or getting coaching for their goals where can they reach you yeah, so Instagram's probably the, the easiest space at the moment that has all of my content on there um, and the best way to reach out. So it's just J-U-S-T, Shanky, S-C-H. <laughs>